We're pausing Instagram Kids, although we believe building it is the right thing to do. Adam Mosseri of Instagram, making the announcement from Facebook, which owns Instagram. But is it really right, this new social media outlet? It was the Wall Street Journal that first raised the criticism, concluding Instagram kids could be dangerous for the mental health of our young. After criticism started to roll in, Facebook hit the pause button and now says it wants to talk to parents, researchers, and safety experts before continuing. But as a parent and grandparent, I wonder why announce it in the first place before validating if it was really right. Facebook is denying the release of an internal report that said Instagram is harmful to teenage girls. As Christians, we worry that new technology and its ever-increasing use can push aside biblical views in our culture. Our children should come first, leading them to Christ foremost. And that's what matters first. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series this week called Come and See. Come and see. Those are the words that Jesus said to Andrew when he asked him where he lived. Jesus told him to come and see. And Andrew's life was changed forever that day. And then it was Andrew who ran to his brother Peter to bring him to the Messiah, whom he had found. Conversion stories are always special. God works in the lives of his people in so many different ways. And in these next few minutes, and I hope you will spare a few minutes, we're going to look at one of the most scandalous stories of faith in all the Bible. In fact, the story we'll hear later in the program is about a woman who would cause quite a stir if she walked into a church service today. And I'm speaking of Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute who sought the mercy of the Lord and found it. So stay with me. And last week, we were looking at another incredible conversion story, Lee Strobel. Lee was a journalist with the Chicago Tribune. He was also an atheist. Can you imagine his world turning upside down the day his wife walked in the door and told him she had become a Christian? So Lee sought to disprove his wife and her faith. He went out finding experts about Jesus, trying to disprove Christianity. But... but, but. I, gotta, I have a real problem with most of the experts that I've talked to here. Which is? Uh, which is that most of them are not impartial. And if I'm going to take a yes, I would say that you are not either. And you would be correct, sir. Though I have learned that most impartial travelers who undertake this journey rarely remain so. However, I can refer you to one of the most impartial sources that I know. Would you trust the Journal of the American Medical Association? Of course, it is a stellar scientific journal, and I will admit that. On the physical death of Jesus. <clears throat> Clearly the weight of the medical and historical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead before the wound to his side was inflicted. Accordingly, interpretations based on the assumption that Jesus did not die on the cross appear to be at odds with modern medical knowledge. Doc, I gotta tell you, you're, uh, you're not telling me what I hope to hear today. A scene from the DVD called The Case for Christ, based on the real-life story of Lee Strobel. 
Lee met with all sorts of experts hoping to disprove Christianity. But the evidence just began piling up. He wasn't prepared for that. But even though the case for Christ was support with evidence, it still took the Spirit of God to draw him to Jesus. You know, I would not have been in this investigation had not God, the Holy Spirit began to work and began to draw me toward the kingdom. Um, uh, we don't, on our own, um, open our hearts and open our minds to Christ. Uh, uh, and yet, God will meet us where we're at. And for me, someone who was a skeptic, I needed evidence, I needed facts. And God drew me down that path where I, w- I encountered the evidence that I found convincing. And, of course, at that point, I realized, once I realized it was true, I read John 1, 12. It says, but as many as received him, mm-hmm. to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And I realized that forms an equation of what it means to become a child of God. Uh, believe plus receive equals become. So I believe Jesus is who he claimed to be based on the historical data, but that wasn't enough. I had to receive uh, this free gift of God's grace that I didn't earn, I didn't merit, um, a free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And when I would receive that in repentance and faith, then I would become a child of God. That's Lee Strobel talking about how he came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. And now... I want to send you a copy of the feature film about his conversion to Jesus, called The Case for Christ. This film is as good as any Hollywood detective film you could ever watch. It's also fun to watch, but the end is much more uplifting. It's an honest look into the life of a skeptic. And now it's a special resource that will help you and maybe skeptics like you know and understand how Christianity does stand up to the hardest of questions. I believe this movie will also build your confidence in knowing that God's Word is true. So would you call us right now? Would you open your heart and be generous in making your gift to this listener-supported ministry? And we'll send you a copy right away of the DVD, The Case for Christ. Here's the number to call right now. 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website when we end the program at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And while you're there, watch the movie trailer and a couple of clips from this inspiring film. And now, Bebo Norman and Sixpence None the Richer open this haven today with Beautiful Scandalous Night. Go on up to the mountain of mercy. To the crimson perpetual tide Kneel down on the shore Be thirsty no more Go under and be purified Follow Christ to the holy mountain Sinner sorry and wrecked by the fall Cleanse your heart and your soul
I think we could read the names on the Lamb's Book of Life. It might surprise us. That's the scandal of grace. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me here on Wednesday. We're in a series called Come and See. We're looking at stories of conversion from the Old Testament this week. Conversion stories that are surprising. We saw a proud Syrian war hero humbled by grace on the banks of the Jordan River. Yesterday, we saw the beautiful faith of a young widow from Moab who left it all behind to follow the Lord. That's Ruth, of course. And now might be the most surprising story of all. We're going back to ancient Jericho. First stop in the conquest of the promised land, just across the Jordan River from the side where the country Jordan is located today. We meet a woman there who might ruffle some respectable feathers if she made her way into a church service today. And I'm thinking of Rahab. She was a Canaanite prostitute, but she sought the mercy of the Lord. And you find her story in Joshua chapter 2. I'm not going to get into whether or not Rahab was justified in lying to protect the spies Joshua sent. Maybe you've heard people go round and round on that question. But as one pastor said about that whole ethical dilemma, it is tragic when people snag their pants on the nail of Rahab's lie, quibble endlessly about the matter, and never get around to hearing Rahab's truth. That's Dale Ralph Davis. And it's Rahab's truth that I want us to look at together. 
because it teaches us about God's power to convert even this pagan prostitute into a child of the king. So here's the heart of the story. It's her confession of faith in the true and living God. I'll pick up Joshua 2 in verse 8. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Well, the spies had ended up in Rahab the prostitute's house, looking for a hideout, refuge. That's an interesting destination for spies sent from God's people, and I don't think they could have possibly anticipated the conversation they were about to have on the roof of Rahab's house there on the wall of the city of Jericho. Let's look at what she tells these spies and learn from her what conversion looks like. First, we learn that Rahab knew and believed the great salvation moment of God's people in the Old Testament. Rahab tells these spies, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. The Exodus. It's the number one salvation event in the Old Testament. It's the definitive moment of God delivering his people from slavery into freedom. For us, living on this side of the cross, knowing and believing the ultimate salvation moment is the way of life. Knowing and believing and putting our trust in Christ's death for sinners is the telltale sign of a converted heart. It was Paul who wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Jesus defined salvation in terms of freedom, just like the exodus that Rahab had heard about. John eight thirty six. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The deliverance that we find in the Lord doesn't end with the cross. And Rahab's understanding of it doesn't end with the Red Sea crossing. Rahab went on to say, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Rahab hasn't just been gripped by the initial salvation event of the Old Testament. She's been gripped by God's ongoing deliverance of his people, making them triumph, as he leads them forward. Maybe that's the case for you. As you came to know the Lord, or as you are coming to know Jesus, you've not only witnessed that initial deliverance from sin, you've also witnessed that ongoing deliverance from sin as your friends or family or co-workers follow Jesus, and by God's Spirit, they've triumphed over old sins that they thought they'd never gain victory over. That is what's going through Rahab's mind here. 
She's been thoroughly convinced of the power of God to save, so much so that she says a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She makes the source of that fear and melting away very clear. We might call it knee-knocking before the Lord. She says, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So here's a woman, disreputable, a pagan, bowing her knee in effect to the one true and living God. But Rahab doesn't stop from her understanding of the Exodus event, which pointed to the cross. We learn something else about conversion when we hear Rahab cry out for mercy. Now then, she says, let's get to the point. I know your God is mighty to save. I know he's the God of heaven above and earth below. So here's what I'm asking. Show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from dying. She knows the Lord is mighty to save. She knows the Lord can destroy. And that's what happens when we understand the good news. We know that there is no good news without bad news. Then and now, the wages of sin is death. There's only one side we can rest on safely. And that's the side of the Lord. I don't think we should take this as I did something good for you, you do something good for me, because that's not the gospel. Rahab was saying, I've risked my neck for the Lord's cause. Now that, I believe, is true faith. Conversion can be costly, and nowhere do we see that more than a prostitute in the heart of enemy territory turning to Yahweh, God Almighty. She just wants mercy. It's an act of surrender to the Lord. She's bowing in humility, according that without the favor of the Lord, there is no hope for her, for anyone. She's crying out, in other words, save us. I think you can see the hand of the Lord with me in this story. We know from the story that Rahab and her family were saved because of her faith. Only God could create such faith in the heart of a prostitute in Canaan someone living in the heart of enemy territory. God is moving in the most unlikely places we can imagine. It's the mystery of grace, that it takes the most unlikely heart and turns it to the Lord. Sometimes it comes as a Hail Mary pass. I don't have a chance, but if I can be rescued, I'm in. Reminds me of two of the greatest words in Scripture. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And then the other passage, it is by grace you have been saved. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. No
And live through all my see The strength to follow your commands Could never come from me Oh Father, use my ransom life In any way you choose And let my song This is Haven Today and a series called Come and See. Join us tomorrow as we look at how God changed Abram's name to Abraham. It's another astonishing conversion story that will point us to Christ. Earlier in the program, you heard how Lee Strobel wanted nothing to do with Christianity. Even though he was an intelligent man, he worked as a reporter at a respected newspaper in Chicago. He avoided anything on the spiritual plane. He was a skeptic. He could only see the facts in front of his eyes, and he was greatly challenged when his wife came to know Jesus. He wanted to show her how her faith was mere fantasy so that they could get back to living their normal lives in Chicago, and that's what you see unfold as you watch the feature film based on Lee's life called The Case for Christ. Every step of the way, he tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. And at the same time, he was met with hard facts that challenged his criticism. I have so enjoyed watching this well-produced movie, and I know that you will too. But it's also a wonderful resource that will help you reach others who have hard questions about Christianity. Lee's told me that many have come to trust in Jesus just through his life story. So here's my invitation. Call us right now. Be as generous as you can to make your gift, but be sure and ask for a copy of the Case for Christ DVD. Here's that number you can call, 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, watch the movie trailer 
and a couple of clips from this film. And check out the extended interview I did with Lee on our Great Stories podcast. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so very much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when on Thursday we get to share together the great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Football season is well underway, and with it the constant reel of highlights from the biggest moments in the best games. We love it, don't we? Even if you don't like football, there's something attractive about glory. Incredible feats of agility or strength reminding us of the power that human beings possess, and we love to talk about it. Did you see that? But the psalmist in Psalm 72, 18 wants to remind us the Lord God alone does marvelous deeds. Yes, highlights were exciting, but only the Lord can do miracles. He took Israel as good as dead and brought her to the land of the living. Only he can raise the dead, and in Christ he has. Find daily encouragement in God's word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at getanchor.com.